So let me make my prayer and we'll go into the message. Heavenly Father, Lord, I do come before you this morning, and God, I ask you help us all to come apart from the cares of the world, the things that weigh heavy on our hearts, and help us to meet with you. Father, these people don't need to hear from me, they need to hear from you. They need to see their Savior high and lifted up and drawing all men unto him. And Lord, I pray, Father, that you give me a fresh unction from on high. Father, that you take control of my mind and my mouth, the actions of the hands and feet and the words that I speak, they pray that they might bring glory to you. And Father, if there's someone here that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, we pray today could be the day of salvation for them, that they might know now is the accepted time. And it may be too late if they wait. Work in their hearts, and Father, and although I'm not preaching primarily to lost people, Father, I ask, Father, that you touch their hearts and that today, Father, they turn to someone and they can show them about the great grace and mercy of the gospel and they can have Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So, Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit have his will and his way, and I ask you bless this service. And when we leave this place, help us to know we're going into your mission field, but help us to be able to say it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I'm... January, I just turned my church over to my associate pastor. I'm now pastor emeritus of Emmanuel Baptist Bible Church in Martville, New York. None of you have probably ever heard of it. A lot of people who live there not have heard of it. And our church is bigger than the hamlet that it's in. There's only about 60 people in Martville. There's about 150, 160 who attend our church now. And I thank God for that. And I've had the privilege to be able to have different... We have... Years ago, honest true, I was in Bible Institute in upstate New York in Rochester. Your pastor came through and preached up there at one point, and I told him I can't remember the message, but I remember him saying, never doubt in the darkness what God has shown you in the light. And I also learned in Bible Institute, I think it's a quote of Charles Haddon Spurgeon, where he said, he that prepares his sermons for a broken-hearted people will never lack for an audience, something of that way. And our church is made up of broken people. We minister to people. The churches around us, many times, they won't minister to them. Okay? I have over 50 women in our congregation that have gone through very bad abuse. Over 10 men. Very bad physical, sexual abuse. But they love so greatly. We prayed, when I was the assistant pastor, my pastor, who's gone home to be with the Lord, one of the emphasis of our church when we started in 1980 to be a Christ-centered, Bible-preaching, missions-directed church. And I, started, I took over from him in 1993 after about a half a million dollars worth of surgeries. Um, don't ride in a car with me. Okay. I don't have to drive. Okay. I am the greatest accident-prone athlete you will ever see. Okay, that's just the way that works. And through the years, we've watched God bless. We're the home church for Jeff and Debbie Williams. We're the home church for Dr. Paul Victor. We're the home church for Randy and Ellen Mumford, who are in Kingston, Ontario. We're the home church for Matt and Jen Sutton, who are in the great Arctic North. We're the home church for Gospel Text Missions, a missionary out of that who travels around. And we love missionaries, and it's so heavy on our hearts. 
because we try to help them. And I come here, and the one thing I've learned, uh, your church paid for my first trip to come out to a pastor's school. Your pastor did that for me. And I haven't missed one of the schools since then, and we've always used it to try to learn to do something new, something to help our church reach more people. And this is a praying church. We have a praying church. I can remember back when Brother Doty was the youth worker, okay? And I saw somebody who was that energetic and crazy. I said, God, you can work, amen? And so I just want you to know that. Uh, it's not easy. What you see is what you get. I've been called Pastor Shrek. I've been, I've been called an accident waiting to happen. Um, it's not easy living with me. I'm just being honest. You need to know my bona fides. Uh, my call in ministry is God has chosen the, the weak things to confound the mighty. Okay. The foolish things to confound the wise. I, don't, I could never speak in front of people. Like I said, you put a ball in my hands, put a rifle to my shoulder, a bow in my arms, and let's go. Okay? And I always had an anger or a temper that my father said would put me in jail at one point. And God took that. But I've had um, only one accident my fault. Okay? And, but I've been cut out of a few cars, and I have traumatic brain injury. And it's not easy living with somebody who has that. There can be emotional swings. There can be issues. If you don't believe me, outside of Jesus Christ, the best thing about me is my beautiful wife, Judy. And it's not easy living with me. It's not easy working underneath me in the ministry because I can be very demanding in the emotions. I was a passionate person before it happened. And if you don't believe me that it's hard, ask Brother Caleb Williams. When he first came over to America from his mom and dad, he lived with us. For over a year, he barely escaped with his life. <laughs> Amen. And I know he's forgiven me since then because he's, hey, are you available, brother, to go to lunch and stuff? So I thank God for that. And so I'm just saying, what you see is what you get. But you know what? It's not about the people. It's about Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs> if you turn to your Bibles in Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12, we're going to read a lot of scripture this morning. If I read more scripture than you've read this week, shame on you. Okay? Hebrews chapter 12, starting at verse 14. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled lest there be any fornicator or profane person, as Esau, who for a morsel of meat sold his birthright. For ye know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. For ye are not come unto the mount that might be touched, and that burned with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, which voice they that heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them any more, for they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. But ye are come unto Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem, and to the innumerable company of angels, 
to the general assembly of the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood which of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. See that ye refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escaped not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape, if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not earth only, but also heaven. In this word, yet once more signifieth, the removing of those things that are shaken as things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. If you would, turn to Isaiah chapter 6. And first time I ever preached this message... I preached it to about 450 pastors at a pastor's conference in one of my five trips to India to be with Brother Paul. And I asked God to give me a message to speak to their hearts. The night before, I preached to them about the warfare of prayer, and I said, this is a praying church. This is a giving church. When I found out I was going to be preaching, I didn't know that when I came. I thought I was going to be giving testimony. I started praying. I says, you know, I, I've helped churches start faith promise. Well, I'll preach a faith promise message. And then I find out more about this church. And I can learn from your pastor and from this church. And I'm asking God, what would you have me to preach? The title of this morning's message is, Can You See Him? Can you see Him? And you'll understand the reason for that as we go through the message. Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, 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 is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Isaiah's response, Then said I, Woe is me. I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes had seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I. Send me. As I said, before I preach this message, I preach to them about the warfare of prayer. And I look at this and I, I'm different, okay? You know, every one of us is different. And you know what you need to be in Jesus Christ? Who God made you to be, okay? And I looked at this 
in the prayer, and then you can find in Daniel, you don't turn there, but Daniel chapter 9, Daniel starts praying. He wants revelation. He wants understanding from God, and he starts praying. And he prays, and I timed the prayer. I just, I read it out loud, and I timed it, and it takes three to four minutes. And by the time he's finishing his prayer, next thing you know, Gabriel shows up and he says, at the moment, basically, you started praying, I was sent forth to give you this answer. And here I am to give you what God wanted him to know. The very next chapter, and it's under a different king, he prays again. And it says he was in mourning and sackcloth and ashes three full weeks seeking God's face, fasting and praying and desiring and humbling of himself to get an answer from God. And finally, the angel comes. And he says, at the moment your petition was heard, I was sent forth to bring you the answer. But the prince of Persia withstood me. And Michael, your prince, came to help him in the battle. So he gives a revelation to Daniel, and he says, now we go back into the battle, basically. He's also going to fight the prince of Grisha. Now, those princes weren't human princes. They were demonic devils who were principalities and powers. And so I want you to know, when you engage in prayer, you engage in a battle. Do you understand that? When you don't pray, the battle's not engaged. I've heard two, at least, three of the, the missionaries. You know, and each of them has said, what do we need you to do? What's the first thing? Pray. Pray, go, and give. And I want you to know they show us pictures, and it breaks my heart. My wife has tried to adopt Indian kids. She says, honey, can't we shove him in the suitcase? We'll get him in. No. That's not what God's had for us. And you see the people, Brother Noel this morning, talking about the fields white and the harvest, and missionaries go because their hearts are broken, and they see the great need, and they're seeing it through the eyes of faith of the Lord Jesus Christ, who says, if I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. But those people won't keep them on the field. It won't. Only them seeing Jesus and seeing the Lord will keep them there. That's who will stay them and keep them. And they must see Jesus. This morning, can you see him? See, we're in a spiritual conflict. Satan is called the God of this world, the prince and power of the air, the spirit that worketh in the children of disobedience. And if you're here this morning and you don't even know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, that's who's working on your mind. But if you're saved, you need to see Jesus. You need to see him. Satan is the greatest of all God's created beings. He wasn't Satan in the beginning. He was Lucifer, the anointed cherubim that covereth. And in pride, he rebelled against God, took one-third of the heavenly host, the Scriptures tell us, and rebelled against the Most High God of heaven and earth. And a battle was engaged. 
I like to think of this battle. You know what it is? You know what it says about my Savior? It says, if the princes had known, they would not have what? Crucified the Lord of glory. They didn't know. And I look at this, and you know what happened at the cross? It's kind of like when the American troops got off their ships, their boats, and took the beaches of Normandy and started coming into France. At that moment, the battle was decided, the war was decided when we went on the offense. Now Hitler, who many people at that time thought was the Antichrist, (laughs) a type yes, the guy no, didn't think he was going to lose and continued to fight and the principality behind him continued to fight. You know the rest of that story. Do you know that Satan continues to fight us? There's spiritual battles in every one of our lives. Every one of our lives. So many people, if you ask them, Christians, who are you? How did God make you? Well, they made me a body, soul, and a spirit. And that's not true. Because we always have a tendency to put the physical first. It says, and I pray, guide your whole spirit, soul, and body. And that's where the real battle is. That's where the real battle is. Satan is so powerful that even Michael the archangel could not do battle with him by himself. It tells us in Jude, verse 9. If you go to Jude chapter 9, you got the wrong Bible. But Jude, verse 9, it says, even Michael the archangel could bring no railing accusation against Satan, but said, the Lord rebuke thee. So I asked myself, what am I to do? Ask yourself this morning, what are you going to do against the most powerful created being in all of God's creation and his minions? For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Take their what? Therefore unto you the whole armor of God, you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil and have done all to stand. Believer, that's what you're called to do. And so many times we think we're going to take the position. No. And a little bit later in this message, you'll see the position. You know, and you're told to have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, have your loins girded about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, having on the helmet of salvation. And you're told to have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. What's the very first thing we're told to do once you have on God's armor? Praying with all prayer and supplication. You know what we do as believers? We go into the battle and say, oh, wait, Lord, could you, could you come with me and bless this? Instead of seeing Him and looking in this world, through the eyes of him with whom we have to do. I can't fight the devil in my own strength. The sin in my life hinders me. When I pray so many times, I start off and I say, God, you are holy and I am not. You are righteous and I am not. You are pure and I am not. You are perfect in all your ways, and I am not in God. If that's all who you were, Father, that would be enough, but what would it do for me? But God, you're also, first and foremost, a God of grace. The source of all real love, 
And as you described yourself, when he passed by Moses, the first word he used was merciful. I said, and God, you are a God of mercy, and because of that, I can come before you in the name of your Son, seeking your power. See, if you're saved, you've been called, you've been conscripted by your salvation into an army that's a spiritual army. There's too many draft dodgers. I can't fight that battle. I can't take on the least of those demons, the devils, let alone Satan. I need God's power. You need God's power. I have a problem. I'm selfish. My emotions get in the way. I'm too broken. I get too angry. I get too hurt. I get too sorrowful. How am I going to fight for you, Lord? I must see God as he is. I can't see him with my physical eyes. I must see him. You must see him. I had to read Isaiah chapter 6 because Isaiah was on his face before who? The Lord of hosts. I tell you, you don't have to agree with me, study it out. That's the pre-incarnate Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Lord of hosts. You need to see him. I can't see him with my physical eyes. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I can't see him with my physical eyes, but I must see him. To continue in the battle, you must see him. Oh, God, help me to see you. I can only see him by faith. With little faith, I have little sight. You do faith promise. We do faith promise. Our church, when I go back, we're going into our faith promise missions conference the following Sunday. Little faith, little sight. Pray, go, give. With little faith, you have little sight. To see Jesus, you must see him high and lifted up. If I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And for the unsaved, they see him on Calvary's cross. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. They must see him as a sinless, perfect Savior who became sin for them on the cross that they might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's who saves you. But the believer, you need to understand, he's no longer on the cross. He's no longer on the cross. He must be lifted up. To keep him crucified on the cross is to keep him separate from the Father. And when he is next to the Father, he's interceding for you and me. He already paid the price for my sin. I got saved out of a church that they always keep him on the cross. They have a dead Savior. I have a living king, a living Lord. At the throne of God, it says, there is one God and one mediator between God and men. Who? The man Christ Jesus. At the throne, he's interceding for me. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He must be lifted up 
for us as believers too. But not on the cross, on the throne. It is there that he protects us from the devil himself and from his minions, the devils. I want to read some passages for you. I'd like to have you turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 33. We need to see him. We need to see Jesus. Romans 8 and verse 33 says, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for me, for you, for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long, we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature should be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. See, he's there at the right hand of the Father, giving us protection through His love. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 is what we'll start. What we're going to find is this passage, this is where His power goes out for us. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, the Apostle Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, tells us, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my, the missionary, praying for the churches that sends him out. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of your troubles of your poverty, of your weakness. No. See, we must see Jesus. In the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, and what is the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power to us word who believe according to the working of His mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality, in heaven and in the hordes of hell, above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth in all. And that's where his power goes out through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in the believers, God's army. Turn to Hebrews chapter 1. Can you see him yet? Can you see him? Hebrews chapter 1. 
God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, who he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. God's truth supersedes the world's ignorance. Amen? Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had made himself, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Hmm? Are you seeing him? Turn to Hebrews chapter 8. Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched in not man. Hebrews chapter 4. Lord, help me to see him. Help these to see him. Seeing then that we have a great high priest, verse 14, Hebrews 4, that has passed into heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I'd ask you all now if you would close your eyes. I want you in your mind to try to picture heaven and the holy of holies in heaven where our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, is seated at the right hand of the Father. Can you see him? He's no longer on the cross. Can you see him? Can you see the one that Isaiah said, Woe is me, I am undone. I have a man of unclean lips. I dwell amongst the people of unclean lips. Can you see him? I must see him. He's in heaven. He is the great I am. He's the almighty. Can you see him? Hebrews chapter 12 tells us, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be weary in your minds. Can you see him? Do you look to him for his strength? I must see him. I must see him. You can open your eyes. You can open your eyes. In a moment, I want you to understand. I have God the Father. I have God the Son. I have 
two believers in humility bowing before the throne of God. If you can't see them over there, I don't care if you stand up, you need to see them. I typecast people because I get to play the devil. I want you to turn to Revelation chapter 1. Can you see him? The Almighty, the Lord of hosts. I can't fight Satan and his devils. But my God can protect me. My God can do through me what I couldn't do myself. Because greater is he that is in me than is in the world. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 10. The Apostle John tells us by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus and unto Smyrna and to Pergamos and to Thyatira, unto Sardis and unto Philadelphia and unto Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. In being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. In the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot and girt about with the paps of a golden girdle. Brother Guzman's Sunday school class feds right into this message. A garment down to the foot and girt about the paps of the golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool and as white as snow and his eyes were as a flame of fire and his feet like undefined brass as they burned in a furnace and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me and said unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, amen, and have the keys of hell and death. Do you see him? Do you see him? This is who fights for me. This, when you come before the throne in prayer, fights for you. Satan doesn't want you praying. He doesn't want you giving. He doesn't want you going. He wants to take as many people to hell as possible. And there's a spiritual war. But we have the Alpha and Omega to fight for us. Can you see him? At the end of the, towards the end of the book of Revelation, chapter 19, verse 11, it says, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True and in Righteousness. Verse 11, Revelation 19. Doth he judge and make war? Remember the eyes of the flame of fire in Revelation 1? Verse 12. His eyes were as the flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. Sounds a little bit like Revelation 1, Isaiah 6, the text Brother Guzman read from in Ezekiel when it described God. His eyes were as a flame of fire, on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. 
And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and then his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, through which he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Can you see him? That's who fights for us. That's who leads us into battle. That's who intercedes for us at the right hand of the Father, the majesty on high. And we get caught up looking at the things of the world and the troubles that we go through and the problems that we face when we need to be looking to Jesus. We need to be looking to him. Can you see him? See, I must see the Lord Jesus Christ. He will fight for me. When? When I'm willing to humble myself, lose all my own strength to fight, and trust only in him. See, we have a foe. In 1 Peter 5, verses 5 through 11, it tells us, and it says, And the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour whom resists steadfast in the faith. I love the passage for the sake of time. I won't read it, but it's verses 5 through 11. But I'm told to come boldly on the throne of grace. Any of you who know anything about fighting or defense for yourselves, physically, the worst position you can be in is face down, on your knees or flat out laying on the floor. Even in MMA, they roll over if they're on the ground and so they can fight. This is when I am physically the most vulnerable. This is sometimes the hardest position for us believers to get into. Two people humbly before the throne of God. Can you see Jesus Christ? That's who will fight for me. There I am vulnerable. There I'm at my weakest. And there it is when I'm safest. I'm safest. God will do great things in his power if you will see him lifted up. Now, we have God the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ at his right hand. And I'm the roaring lion. And I want to attack these. But every time I get close to them, no matter where I am, because they're out of the way, I'm looking into the eyes of the one who's going to put me in the lake of fire for all eternity. And no matter where I go, those eyes see me. There is a flame of fire. That is the Almighty. That is the Lord of hosts. And no matter when I come to attack them, I have to look in those eyes. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Can you see Him? I don't care who's attacking you. What you're going through, his eyes, the one who created the worlds, is the one who watches over me. It's the one who watches over you. Is the one who said, Who will go for us? Is the one that Isaiah said, Here am I, send me. Can you see him? Satan has no power. 
that has not allowed him to be used as a trial to help us to come to the end of ourselves and look to him. Can you see him this morning? Through the eyes of faith, can you see him? All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore. That's missions. Whether it's to your neighbor. And your pastor would love that if everyone you went to your neighbor and honestly, lovingly witnessed to them. To your person you work with or the person that's in school with you, wherever it might be. To the person in the grocery store, the clerk. I've led a clerk to the Lord. You don't know what they're going through, but he does. God will do great things because everything is naked and opened unto the eyes, Hebrews chapter 4, I believe it's 13, to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Can you see him? Can you see him? If I, if I be lifted up, I will draw amen unto me. Wherefore God hath also high, hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. One day the adversary of my soul is going to be flat out before King Jesus and declare him Lord as he's then cast into the lake of fire. That's who fights for me. That's who fights for you. You may say, I can't do that. I can't go. I can't give. I'm too poor. I'm too weak. I'm too broken. You know what God loves? He loves a broken vessel, a broken and contrite heart God will not despise. In the context, in Philippians chapter 4, as you look at the end of that chapter, it's tied to mission support of the Apostle Paul. In verse 13, it's a verse we claim, and we always seem to put the emphasis on the wrong thing. We say, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. When it needs to be, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Verse 19 tells us in the context of missions giving, of missions going, of missions prayer. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. All God's people said, Amen. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, is your pastor who is a great man of God. He doesn't put himself forward. He's a great man of God. This church is blessed. And you need to know, obedience starts at the top. Amen? Be thankful for what you have here, for the heart of this church, for the way you're being led, the way you're being taught to love, the way you're being taught to give. Thank God for that the way you've been taught to reach souls.
And if you're here without Christ, you're lost and undone, without hope and without God in this world. But you don't need to leave that way. If you're saved, can you see him? Can you? Don't doubt. Believe. Come before him who fights for you because this is the safest place you'll ever be. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to preach your word and pray you'd use it to continue to work in our hearts and help us to do the great job you've called us to do in service of you. And Father, we humbly ask that your Holy Spirit use this message to speak to hearts. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand and take our hymnals and turn to number 34. Let's sing this song together. Look ye saints, the sight is glorious. Number 34.
Amen. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and take a seat. We'll be dismissed in just a moment. Thanks for being here this morning. We'll come back tonight at 545 and wrap things up for this conference. Um, I'm looking forward to what uh, awaits us. There's going to be some good stuff tonight. Just a, uh, to answer uh, questions that you may have, uh, most of you know that Brother Tim Derry went home to be with the Lord this week, and uh, we don't have any of the particulars on the service yet. Uh, Brother Doty is working on that, and uh, so as information comes forward, we'll let you know about that. And of course, we'll be praying for Joy, and uh, I believe she's here uh, this morning. Where are you, sister? Are you, are you here this morning? All right, let's keep her in prayer. We love you, Joy, and we'll be praying for you, and we'll be here for you. All right, let's go ahead and uh, pray, and we'll be dismissed. Father, we thank you for your goodness. And we thank you, Lord, that we do serve a great Savior. And Lord, while we're no match for the devil, we're thankful that the devil is no match for you. And so in you, we hide and we pray, as says one of the songs, cover our defenseless heads. And we thank you, Lord, that we do have you and that you go forth the battle ahead of us as the captain of our salvation. Dismiss us with your blessing, we pray. For this we pray in Jesus Christ's name, amen.